Welcome to Scrunchy Time. I'm Nicole Hegstead, your fertility advocate. After six years of infertility and three miscarriages, I decided that I needed to become the advocate for my own body. If you're exhausted from struggling to get pregnant and want to know more about how I can help, check out my website at www.nicolehegstead.com. And I'm Bridget May, your children's health expert. My son was born with a heart condition that led to three open heart surgeries, cath labs, a tracheostomy, and a ventilator. After being fed up with mixed opinions, I became my children's own advocate. If your child's health is lacking, then check out my website at www.bridgetmay.com to find out more how I can help. Put your hair up and pay attention while we discuss today's hottest topics concerning female hormones and healthy kiddos. We aren't silky. We aren't crunchy. We're We're scrunchy. Hello and welcome back to Scrunchy Time. So today we are honored to have our good friend Hannah Fellows back as a guest. Um, You've probably caught a few episodes from her over the last year or so and it's it's always good to have Hannah visiting. So we are going to be talking about grief today and Hannah is um, really good at supporting people through grief. It's kind of how she got started in her business and really wants to um, help support um, I think mostly women who have had miscarriages and stillborns and postpartum grief and, and all of that, but just in general, she's really good at being a supportive, supportive person through grief. I can actually speak from experience in this. She's been a godsend in my own life. So I'm going to pass it off to Hannah and let her. Hi, don't make me cry right in the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Uh, thinking that especially since this is a, a grief podcast, I'm sure one of us is going to be crying. Um, <laughs> oh, anyways, yeah, grief is so, there's just so much there. And I, I, it's something that is so, what I found through my experience um, in losing two babies and walking through, you know, the first very traumatic loss and uh, just so how misunderstood grief was, Mm. how much I didn't understand it, you know, until it was smacking me in the face and, you know, forcing me down and forcing me to actually deal with it and crawl through it. You know, I uh, was thinking of this, you know, (laughs) we try to describe going through a situation like postpartum grief or postpartum, uh, just postpartum in general. And we often describe it like walking, you're walking through this journey. I'm like, no, it's not really walking. It's more like stumbling, crawling, clawing your way out of a hole it's, it's not, there's not much walking involved. It's pretty, pretty torturous most of the time. Um, and obviously if you, you know, have a good experience, then yay. It's, it's like, yes, someone had a good experience, but 99% of the time, obviously that's not an accurate statistic. It's just what you say. Um, most of the time it's not, postpartum, postpartum grief, um, is not that positive of an experience. And that is so prevalent in our, in our society, in our world. Um, 
mostly in our society though, I think, and in, you know, Western culture, you know, you'll hear stories about people in third world countries or in ancient tribes or anything like that. And the way they dealt with grief or the loss of an unborn child or the loss of an infant or older child or anything was so much more um, ca uh, cared for. You know, though that person was, was uh, gathered around and everyone grieved together over this loss and um, healing was, was happening. You know, they, they did things to make sure that mother healed properly, emotionally and physically. And today in our culture in the United States, it is treated as though you just started your period. You know, you can miscarry a 12 to 16 week baby you know, uh, or sooner, especially if it's, if it's earlier than that. And you're told by your caregivers, by your medical caregivers, that it's nothing more than having a period. That's it. That is, that's the only information that's given. And um, on my Instagram page, I did a, a little questionnaire at one point of, and I asked my followers and I asked, uh, friends and i'm just starting to have this conversation more and more after my own miscarriage um i asked how many women how many of you who've experienced uh, a miscarriage were told what exactly you were going to experience by your caregiver and every single one of them said nothing they were told nothing mm. they 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 were sent home with some acetaminophen or something a pain reliever and told to buy extra pads you know they they weren't told that it was a loss they weren't told that if you're further along than i don't know five six eight weeks that it's going to be incredibly painful that you are literally going to go into labor mm -hmm. to pass the baby they weren't told that and then they go into labor and they they think their appendix is bursting or that they're dying some way and nobody says anything nobody the doctor doesn't explain it to them they just like oh well you know that just must be how you react that just must be some weird thing that happened um so then they're sent home again you know after they <laughs> thought that they were dying and having to realize that that was you know, the birth of their baby, that was the, that was it, that was it for them, and not feeling like they could talk to, to anyone about it, feeling like that it was their fault somehow, they did something, and in many cases, you know, not even, maybe they don't even feel guilty enough. I literally just talked to someone um, who, she was really struggling after the loss of her baby, a, a miscarriage, an early five to eight week miscarriage. Um, she was really struggling because she said there was some happy events that had gone on. There was a party or there was a wedding or there was something. And she was happy. Like there was no, there wasn't that deep grief sadness that she expected, that she's seen other people go through. And she was literally feeling guilty about not feeling sad enough. And I made sure to tell her, I'm like, you, grief looks different for everyone. Grief is going to be, it is so multifaceted. It is so different. 
just because you don't feel it right this moment, you didn't, you know, sometimes it takes a little while. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, I said, be aware because once once the dust all settles from your happy events, it may hit you. It may come back and be like, okay, now you can deal with this. Now things are quiet. Now your heart is quiet and you can actually sit and think about it. So just making sure that we, we know that it's going to look different for everybody. People are going to respond different in different ways, but making sure that we validate that each one of those ways, every single way that people go through it or choose to go through it is valid. Mm -hmm. As long as you are processing it, as long as you are going through whatever motions you have to go through, it's okay. However you're dealing with it is okay. If you're crying, it's okay. If you're not crying, it's okay. If you want to wait a little while, if it takes you a good week to have a decent cry, that's okay. However you deal with it is good, as long as you are dealing with it. The, the, the main problem is that we don't deal with it. And that is what we most of all want to encourage, is that you just process. Mm-hmm. No matter how it goes through, no matter what words you say, no matter what feelings you feel, process that grief mm-hmm. fully and completely. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I, um, <coughs> it, it kind of made me think of a, a meme that has been, that goes around Facebook. Um, I think I shared it from you actually recently. Probably. Um, when someone tells you that you hurt them, you're not allowed to say, no, no, I didn't. And it's kind of the same thing. Like when someone tells you that you're hurting, you're not allowed to say, no, you're not, you know, and it doesn't matter what that looks like. If they're in pain, we can't look at that and say, oh, they're, they're clearly not in pain because they're not crying or they're crying too much or they're, you know, doing whatever they're doing. We all process that differently. Right. It reminds me of many of the memes that have been shared. Usually it's a picture of someone like Robin Williams who um, committed suicide uh, or someone, someone else like that. He's the only one I can think of off the top of my head, but um, there'll be pictures like that that are shared where uh, it'll show a picture of him and everyone knows he, he committed suicide. He felt that he was not worthy of being on this world or that he couldn't be happy on this world or for whatever his reasons were. He, he took his life and he left, he left this world. Um, and, it, and the quote, the, the caption is always something about, you never know what people are feeling. You never, he's the happiest, funniest man on the planet. And yet he was depressed. He was anxious. He was grieving. He was sad. He was, whatever it was he was feeling at that time, you, you yeah, you can't assume that people are happy simply because they're joking all the time or happy because they're you know anytime you see them they're joyful or happy there's always something going on in people's lives mm-hmm. and I've, I've I've found that in so many different ways it's like you people can be the happiest people people can be the best friends people can be the most connected and at the same time, because they don't share it with people, it's, there's still 
something going on. There's still something deeper happening. There's still depression or anxiety or grief that they can't tell anyone about, which is why it's so important for us to be aware of that. And don't just assume that everything's fine, Mm -hmm. especially if you know something has happened, Mm -hmm. especially if you know for a fact there's a a loss of a loved one, um, anything, a hard move, a job loss, a, a, a miscarriage, a, you know, hardship in a family or whatever it is that this is why you pay attention and you check in on people and you, you make yourself a safe space for people to talk about. And, um, I I wanted to mention that later as well about, you know, supporting grieving people. Um, We have this misconception in our society that being a safe space or needing a safe space to talk, to vent, to, you know, seek comfort is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. That you are weak, you are a snowflake, only snowflakes need safe spaces. (laughs) No, you, you're creating a place where that person feels comfortable and safe with you sharing something that's very deep, something that they, maybe they can't share with other people. Mm-hmm. If they don't feel, if you don't feel safe sharing something, if you feel like your integrity is compromised, your story is compromised, you're, the, you know, they're not trustworthy, then you're not going to feel safe talking about <laughs> the depths of your grief or the, or your, or your depression or your anxiety, you know, there, you, you have to, it's okay to seek out people that you feel safe with to talk about deep things with. It's okay to, and important to create that within yourself for other people as well, to make yourself a safe place to come for comfort for talk for venting for whatever people need absolutely and even just even an aspect of just being silent like a lot of like i remember not being in the hippie movement and like people say you know creating a safe space and you're kind of like what what does that mean you know like this is what it doesn't mean when i was experiencing my uh uh, second miscarriage (coughs) excuse me um I would go to church and people knew that I had had a miscarriage and um, I was also going no contact with my family at the same time. So there's a lot of grieving. There's a lot of loss going on in my life. And I would go to church and people would say, how are you this week? And I'd say, I'm good. And they'd say, good. And I'd say, how are you? And they'd say, oh man, it was the longest week. My lawnmower broke and we had to go get the lawnmower fixed. And I literally was standing there for months. This happened every single week inside screaming at the top of my lungs i have lost my family i have lost my baby i don't know if i'm ever going to have a child and you're upset because your lawnmower broke and you know that this is happening to me and you don't have the empathy to stop and say no nicole how are you let's talk you know like this isn't hard to figure out that someone is in pain and it doesn't make you go back the next week and say, oh no, this week has been really rough. Like, I'm sorry. Like you don't, 
in that situation, you don't tend to say, and I know a lot of people would say, well, this is your fault because you said you were fine and they gave you the opportunity to speak. That's not the way that grief works. That's not the way, like you get shut down like that. And, and then furthermore, there were times where I did say, you know, like it's, it's really troubling to me that I've had a miscarriage and I was told maybe God doesn't want you to have kids. And I was told, well, trust in God. But anyway, back to my lawnmower problem, you know, and it's like, no, that is not the way that we comfort people. And so it, it, holding space for someone is not that, that is not the picture of holding space for someone. And you like, even if you don't have the words, it's okay to just hug someone. It's okay to just stand there in silence and say, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to say, but I am here holding this grief with you. And that's all I can do for you right now, but I'm right here and I'm not going to complain about my lawnmower right now. You know, this is not the moment to do that. Um, in the same church, we had, um, a family who lost their, their son in a car accident. It was horrific. And, um, I remember looking over at the men at the time when the family showed up and, uh, the father was standing with the men and none of them were speaking. They were, they just stood in a circle. I'm not kidding for like 20 minutes and none of them spoke. And I was like, I remember looking at them and thinking, why can't the women figure this out? Like they're grieving with him. You know, it was a silent grief. It was, it was masculine and all of that, like all the things that men do, you know, cause they weren't probably going to talk about it and cry a whole lot, but they were standing there holding space for him. And I just remember being like, that is the image of what we're talking about, you know? They're honoring him in his grief. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know how the translation got lost into the other areas of right, church. Right. But um, I just, I'm, I'm sharing these as examples that like, these are what people are going through and they might tell you that they're fine. And we all say we're fine because that's what we've been told you say when you're out in public. But someone who's lost a baby is not okay, whether they say they're okay or not. They're, they're just not. And like you said, there's going to be those waves. So they might be okay today, but next week they probably won't be. And just because you've talked to them once about it doesn't mean your obligation to them is done, you know? Right. Yeah. And we don't know how to, we don't know how to respond to, how are you? Mm -hmm. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. That is the exchange. That is what we do. You say, hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Just simply saying, how are you is not an invitation to actually tell someone how you are. Yes. Because that's not how we respond. Mm -hmm. That's not how we respond to that greeting. Mm -hmm. It just isn't. Like, right. And it's a cop out wanna... for the person asking. Right. Sorry, it's a right. cop out. It's, it's, it so is. you can, I've asked, good. they said, they said they're fine. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Everything's yep. good. Yeah. But no, like, if you want to know how somebody is, you have to ask a follow-up question because they're not going to, they're going to respond. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. Everything's fine. But if you ask that follow-up question, if you say something about, you know, I know you've had a rough time lately or, you know, how, how are you after this loss? Or you have to dig just a little bit further. You don't have to go very far. You don't have to get terribly serious. You just have to dig just a little bit further and you'll find that. You'll find that openness. That will open that door. 
and then that person will be comfortable saying, yeah, you know, life has really sucked lately. Yeah, I've really had a rough time. And then you can keep talking about it. And then that, that door stays open. So yeah, just keep, you just got to keep digging a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we, and, and on the flip side too, we have to learn how to be more honest with, with each other. Mm-hmm. When someone says, how are, how are you, how are you? Let's tell them, mm-hmm. let's try harder to do that. I've, I've really tried so hard not to just generic answer Mm-hmm. you know really really retraining that brain of like if somebody asks how I am I need to try to tell them I need to at least try it's yeah. hard because it's just like this automatic response but not making them dig too far <laughs> trying to not, trying to be more honest and open with people and it's obviously not every situation is a good one for that um sometimes it's just easier to just be like yep I'm good I'm fine and then you go back to your little tribe and you pour your heart out. <laughs> so yeah, there, there's lots of improvements that can be made on both sides as far as dealing with that. And when someone opens up, mm-hmm. don't shut them down. Like there's, there's been times where, right. you know, I've had, uh, I've been honest and been like, you know, it's been a really bad day. And again, the, the big thing, and I am a total Christian, obviously I, I, trust in the Lord and all that. And I have fellowship with lots of Christian friends, but it seems like the Christian church tends to respond with, well, trust in God. Like, well, you're, you're being not a very good Christian by not enjoying the day that he made for you. And it's like, well, right. All right. Today he laced with some trials. So like, I don't think he intended for me to really laugh at this situation, (laughs) but like, let's not, you know, when somebody does respond with an honest response, let's not give a glib answer of, well, I'll pray for you, you know, don't Don't be dismissive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we dismiss grief so easily because it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Grief is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That is the bottom line. It is, it's uncomfortable to grow, to go through. It's uncomfortable to be around. And I mean, even as, as much as I have written about grief and know firsthand what it's like to go through and as much as I talk about it, I still find myself went to a funeral just a few months ago. And what's the first thing that comes through my mind? I'm sorry for your loss. That was like the only thing I could think to say. I'm like, I am so much better. I know all the things that I want to hear. I know. And yet for some reason, when I'm in that situation and I'm faced with this person who's crying about their husband, I can't think of a single thing to say. And because it's so uncomfortable and it's so like, no matter how much we, know about it and you know you can read all the books and you can write all the blog posts but when it comes down to actually dealing with it it's hard it's hard not to just dismiss it whether it's you're going through it or you're walking next to someone who's going through it and yeah it's just it's it's so it's so complicated and it's so unique and I, I think probably because it's you know we're not we weren't created to go through grief we were created to live in the Garden of Eden and to live forever. And death is a curse and death is not a good thing. <laughs> we weren't created to have to go through this. God never wanted this. Yeah. And, you know, as a result of the curse, we have to go through something really, really hard over and over and over again in our life. And 
we don't know how to do that. You know, we, we just fall back to what we, you know, inherently know is just to be happier, make everything good, make everything happy again. So yeah, it's just, we, we have to get better at figuring out how to deal with it and processing it fully because otherwise it is trapping emotions and is hurting us in more ways than one. So absolutely. I agree. And I did want to mention, um, uh, in kind of piggybacking on like, this is never what God wanted. Um, as far as, you know, grief is kind of unnatural in a, in a God mindset world. Um, it's still a normal thing that we have to go through. Um, and I, I love using the example that even Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. Jesus, <laughs> Christ, who knew he could raise his friend from the dead five minutes later, who knew everything about that situation, he still stood and cried mm-hmm. with his friends and for his friend for the loss that occurred for the grief that was happening for the entire situation he still stood there and cried even though he knew he was going to raise his friend from the dead mm-hmm. and it gets so, its own verse exactly like it's so it gets important. its own verse it's that important mm-hmm. it's that important that they that it gets its own verse in the bible yeah so what does that tell us does that tell us that God wants us to just shove grief in a, in a, in a closet and not deal with it? Does it tell us that he, you know, just wants us to move on and be happy as fast as possible so that we don't belabor our grief? Is it, is that what that tells us? No, that tells us that God cares about the grief that we have to go through, that he has experienced it himself in the human form of Christ he cares about, he cares about our grief. Mm. He cares about what is going on and the losses that we experience and what hurts. He cares about what hurts. So we should too. We should care about this. We should be able to acknowledge it and cry about it and go through it and help others go through it. And not make people feel guilty for going through it, not make people for feel guilty for dealing with it in whatever way they're dealing with it and process it and become better people through it. We know we have hope in Christ. We do not sorrow as those who have no hope, but it doesn't say we don't sorrow at all. Mm. We still sorrow. We just sorrow as in different ways than those who have no hope. So hope is not, hope is not an antidote to grief. It helps, but it doesn't take away the grief completely. You still have to go through it. You still have to process it. And yeah, even Jesus wept. So there's a purpose. There's a purpose for our grief. It's hard as it is as sucky as it is 
there there is meaning and there is purpose and we get to see our babies in heaven again someday and yeah it's going to be pretty amazing so yes it will yeah and then we can move right on to how do we support uh, a grieving person you know now we've gone through you know how do you process your own grief how do you manage that um so if you know someone that is grieving and if you have seen that they've gone through a miscarriage they've gone through a loss of a family member you know whatever the case is um there's so much you can do you don't have to just sit in the sidelines and wait for them to be done you can help them you can show up if you do nothing else be there for them text them call them show up if they if they miss church wherever they're supposed to be uh call in check on them send them a text miss you today how are you doing it's so simple to just check in on people and to make sure they're okay we live in a, a fantastic age of technology there's no excuse not to check in on people um another wonderful way is to take food when you are in grief food and it could be either like your lifeline or the last thing that you think about um and if you're dealing with funerals or you're dealing with your you're in bed sick after a miscarriage or you're just not feeling well or you're consumed with your grief food is hard to think of so if you can take someone a meal if you have that ability to um if you're nearby to take them hot food or snacks or lunch or easy meals um do it just just and don't ask if you can say that you're going to mm -hmm. do not ask if you can i'll say it again <laughs> do not ask can i bring you food <clears throat> tell them i'm bringing you food when's a good day mm -hmm. when's a good time because they if you if someone asks you can i bring you something can i do anything for you you're gonna say no mm -hmm. every single time mm -hmm. it's fine nope i don't want to put you out i don't want to bother you it's all good. I'm fine. I'm good. Don't need anything. You'll never be able to think of anything you need if someone asks you what you need. But if someone says, I'm stopping by with a coffee, you didn't know how much you needed a coffee at that point until someone said they were going to bring it to you. Someone says they're going to bring you a meal. That is so perfect and beautiful. All you have to do is say, I'm home right now, or I'll be home in two hours. You know, that's all you have to say. You just have to accept it and you don't get to think about how you're going to put them out by accepting their help so and i will add to that too because we live in a technology age there's so many people that we know who live states away who have problems order a domino's pizza that's been my that's become my thing and domino's has gluten free now so if you have if they have a, an issue then usually that's yeah like ask them What's your address? I'm sending a pizza. What day do you want it? You know, and, yeah. and ask them what they want. Like, there's no reason with, and, and I mean, that's if you've got somebody in a small town, if you've got somebody in a major city, you got Postmates and Bite Squad and all the stuff, like you can, you can have whatever they want delivered. So yeah. there's, and, and that's almost easier than making a crock pot meal and taking it over to someone. You're like, it's just a phone call. So right. Right. you can, you can email gift cards as well. You mm -hmm. can, you can, you can text send gift cards, cards so easily. Yeah. You can you can have gift cards sent by text now. Like right. it's insane. So right. yeah. It's so easy to help people. You don't have to live close by. You don't have to be in a decent community. You 
yeah, it's, it's so simple to just help people. Um, and, and if they're, if, especially if it's someone that you feel comfortable with going to their home, um, sometimes they're, if they've got older kids or they've got little toddlers or anything like that, they could use, you know, someone to just come and play with the kids while they shower or, you know, here, go take a shower. I'll take the kids out in the back, take a nap, take, take five minutes to yourself and drink your cup of coffee before it gets cold. Help with a household chore, go to their house and wash the dishes. Now, obviously you're not going to be able to do that for everyone because that may create more uncomfortable situations than you're, you want to create, but you'll know when it's the right moment. If it's someone that you are close to, if it's, you know, a family member that you're close to, a friend that you're really close to, you can go to their house and do their, do a little laundry, fold some towels for them, sweep their floor, uh, dust something. It's, it's not hard. And it's probably things that they're sitting there in their grief, looking around, feeling like they're failing because they're not able to switch the load of laundry or they can't fathom putting dinner in the oven or washing the load of dishes or whatever. So that is, that can be a super helpful thing if it's a situation where you're comfortable doing that and they're okay accepting that help. And um, just any way that you can seek to help out and offer reprieve so that they can heal and feel loved and connected and um, yeah, and, and just, you know, offer to, to be that, like we talked about being a safe space, offer to be that safe space for them. Tell them if they need to talk that you, you are open, you are an open door for them. Um, and last of all, don't try to fix it. Mm. Don't fix their grief because you can't. Don't say things that are dismissive. Don't, don't try to push them through their grief. They, they've got to deal with it fully the way they need to. And there's nothing that you can say or do that's going to make them heal on your timeline. Mm -hmm. You don't heal on someone else's timeline. It is your own. It is, it is absolutely 100% your own. So if you go to a grieving person and you start telling them your story, you start sharing with them all the things that worked for you um, when you went through a similar situation, it, it may be helpful depending on the person, depending on the situation, but as a general rule, it's not about you. It's about them. Let them tell their story. Let them tell let them have their moment with this and don't try to fix it the way you got through it mm-hmm. because it's very, it's going to be different for them. Let them, let them figure it out. Be there for them. Let them talk, let them heal, let them process, but don't try to fix it. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. Yes. It's very good. Very, very good. I think that was all I had to say. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Hannah. Absolutely. Always a great topic. And like I said, you you always do it justice. Um, I try. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so awesome. Cool. So go out and do those things. If you're if you're <laughs> grieving or if you know someone who's grieving, <laughs> be open 
to help and be open to helping because this is super important. So we can make the world a better place just by touching the people around us for sure. Okay, thank you for joining us and we'll see you back in a couple of weeks. All right, bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our programs or watch the podcast in video form, you can visit our websites. Where we also share links and resources concerning the different topics that we have discussed. Check me out at www.nicolehegstead.com. And check me out at www.bridgetmay.com. See See you you next time. time.